Today's episode is presented by the Skin Store. For over 20 years, the Skin Store has been the number one destination for premium skincare, hair care, and beauty products. With over 8,000 different products from 300 different brands, the Skin Store has you covered for all your hair, cosmetics, and supplements, and of course, skincare needs. Find your favorite brands like LTMD, New Face, Olaplex, and more, all in one place with gifts with every purchase. Right now, the Skin Store is offering our listeners 20% of your next purchase by using the code POD. That's code P-O-D for 20% of your next purchase at skinstore.com slash pod.list. Skin Store, have the confidence to tackle the day ahead. Hi guys, so welcome back to Wild and Basic. So today I have a duo on the podcast. This is my second time having a duo, so I'm pretty excited. I have Emily and Jess, who are the co-founders of Shine Talent Group. They initially started as Shine PR, but now it has turned into a full-time influencer management service. So they represent a pretty good talent, and I think this is a very important episode for all the talent who are listening to this or who might need a manager or who think that they might need a manager in the future, this is the episode for you. We're going to answer a bunch of questions that a lot of people are curious about. And I also get asked a lot, generally, like, what does the influencer manager do? Why do you need one? And what are some of the things that you should know about and contacts and everything? How much the influencer manager charges and like what are the benefits that comes with it? I think there are so many things that people are really, really curious about, especially even if you're not a talent, but you're really curious about influencer marketing or uh, how it works. Uh, this is the episode for you. Hi, Jess. Hi, Emily. Thank you guys so much for coming to the show. Hi. Hello. Thank you. <laughs> We're excited to be here. So you guys are my second duo on this podcast. Uh, I'm really excited. I think, you know, there's that word saying like the more the merrier. Uh, it's always like more, so fun to like uh, talk to more people on the podcast. And like, I feel like it really gets the conversation going and it really just like brings like different perspective, you know, versus just me while we're two people talking. So I'm so excited for this. Do you guys want to introduce yourselves a little bit? For sure. I'll, uh, I'll jump in first. So I'm Jess. I, uh, Emily and I co-founded Shine Talent Group together. So I'm, uh, I'm originally from Melbourne, Australia, but now currently live in Toronto, Canada. Um, so Em and I started Shine together six years ago I think it is now and um, we, we lose track of time all the time but uh but yes we work in the talent management space and have offices in LA and Toronto and and represent some pretty amazing content creators and I'm uh, Emily and it's funny I was just speaking to a new team member on Monday and I was retelling the story of how Jess and I met which seems like a minute ago and like years ago all in the same but yes Jess and I uh, started Shine PR originally um back in January 2015, starting off as a boutique um, PR agency. And then honestly, when we were looking at ways to kind of carve out a niche for ourselves in that space, uh, we launched Shine Influencers originally first, um, about eight months after uh, the launch of Shine PR. And in our wildest dreams, we thought that maybe Shine Influencers would grow to the point of being able to substantiate having like one full team member being able to manage that side of the business and that it would have just been um, a driver for our 
PR, our PR services. Uh, and my goodness, like were we uh, pleasantly surprised to be wrong because this is the largest part of our business. Yeah, we do, you know, almost entirely uh, influencer strategy and talent management. Um, and we take on a very small portion of PR services still. Yeah. And also you guys recently acquired the Toronto-based agency, Fourth Floor Management as well, right? Yeah, it was a, it was a fun one. We had talked about that. Um, you know, we've been approached over the years a number of times um, with opportunities to acquire or be acquired. Um, and it's, it's never been like exactly the right fit for us, but it's certainly been something that's very like high uh, was high on our agenda. And we, we talked about wanting it to be something that we did in 2020. Um, and, you know, obviously 2020 had a few, uh, you know, speed wobbles <laughs> um, with the pandemic and things like that. So we were kind of like, oh, this probably won't happen, you know, this year. It's, it's yeah. a 21 thing. But uh, it was like right at the uh, right at the 11th hour, Deb, who is the owner of Fourth Floor, um, approached us with uh, with something that we couldn't say no to. And and we already had a fantastic working relationship with the, the Fourth Floor team. So we we're kind of like this seems like such a natural fit. And, and, you know, we kind of signed on the dotted line, like one of the last days of December. So we, uh, we just snuck in with our 2020 plans, but uh, yeah. Got it. No, that's amazing. Especially I feel like during this time, if that happened, that really yeah. shows like big growth for the company. Yeah. It's been a, it's been a wild year of growth. As Em said, like it's uh, you know, we, we anticipated again, this was six years ago, you know, we anticipated like, maybe this is like, we hire one person full time that like, yeah. like I hope we can pay their salary kind of that's like where we're at with it at the time. Um, and I think, you know, we just hired out either 24th or 25th person. I can't remember exactly, but, but yeah, so it's, uh, but in the last year, I think, I don't know, um, do you, know, you, probably, you might know this number better than me, 12, like we've at least doubled the team in the last year, right? Um, yeah. Since January, like this year, because it, it certainly has been a difficult year at navigating the pandemic. Um, but I, I think just like from the core basis of an agency that we had in terms of like our culture and mm -hmm. um, Jess and I coming from a PR and marketing background kind of set us up very differently to be doing talent management and navigating some of the, uh, the interesting things that happened over the past year as well. Got it. I want us to roll back a little bit and talk to you guys about like, like each of you separate background and before you guys actually, uh, you know, started the management, because it's always so uh, interesting to me that like, because I am a person who's always so curious about like starting a new business or like just I'm always so passionate about like business, creating a business yeah. because I recently got my MBA from New York University. So I have like always loved that aspect of it, even me being an influencer. But I always wonder like, how does one start one or like how does that even work? Like uh, that's why I got the MBA. Yeah. So do you guys want to tell me about like what were, you, what were you guys doing before and how did that Shine Talent Group came to life? Sure. It's like, it's a fun story. We love telling this story. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I think it's always interesting. Jess and I speak a lot to different um, colleges and universities and, and always say like you, you never really um, can understand as you're going through your career path, like how you're going to 
end up where you're supposed to be. But all those little different pieces and experiences, um, they certainly like do culminate to be like that perfect position for you. So it's just about like following the next step that you can see. Um, so I started off uh, in dance. I went to university um, in a Bachelor of Fine Arts for dance. I was going to be a dancer. Um, soon realized that that wasn't going to be it. But I, I did really want to be working in the PR or marketing departments like for um, a, a dance company. Uh, and that led me into um, actually working in, on the for-profit side uh, for a small uh, marketing agency. So I, I started off my career working at um, a, a small marketing agency called The Adlib Group. And I was really blessed because they um, put me in a very entrepreneurial position. They hired me at, at like 22 or 23 to start up the PR department for their agency. Um, so I had a, a ton of freedom, um, but also like a ton of, of support. Um, but I do kind of uniquely see how I was put into a position to kind of learn how to grow a business, how to develop, develop the business under like a structure of having, you know, a regular paycheck, which is wonderful. Um, so I did that for a number of years. And then I went and uh, worked for a really large agency, DDB, which is a big um, global advertising agency. And I worked in their uh, PR department, just wanting to gain some um, well experience because I actually I actually didn't get into PR school when I had applied to it so I was like oh I only know what I know so yeah. I should go and learn from somebody um from somebody who knows like a little bit more and just had a, like a fairly like uh, similar um start I'll let you share your your beginning years yeah so I I went to school um thinking I was going to be a wedding planner I really wanted to be a wedding planner that was my goal um so I went to school and did a Bachelor of Business and majored in marketing and event management. And right at the very end of my degree, and this was this was back in Melbourne, um, but right at the end of my degree, I did an internship with um, a woman, like a freelance PR woman. I don't I don't even know now how I how I found her or how we connected, but we did. And and through her, I got to know this network of all women who worked in PR and kind of had their own like little PR businesses. Um, and so when I was finishing school, I was like, I really liked that. Like I, it wasn't what I had intended to do, but I was like, that was, that was fun. Like, I just, I just had fun with it. I was like 20 or 21 at the time. And I was kind of like, I think I could do this. Like what a brat, but I was like, I, I'll be fine. <laughs> not at all. Um, and they made it look so fun. Like it, it, it was truly just like a lot of fun. So I, uh, they had all kind of said to me, like, you know, we have like, we can all give you some freelance work. And I was like, great. So I, um, I was, I was kind of like, well, I have to like set up a business anyway. So I may as well set it up so that if the opportunity arises for me to like take on clients directly, like I I'm set up to do that. So I started that my, so that was my first agency, Honey PR, um, in Melbourne when I was like, again, like 21 and a new nothing, but had, I guess, like a lot of tenacity. Um, so I went out and did that. And I did that for about three years and had so much fun doing it. Like I learned a ton, had just all kinds of fun. Um, and then as Em was saying, in a very similar way, I was kind of like, I don't really know very much. <laughs> like I've, I've learned a lot <laughs> as I've gone, but like I, I'm really making this up as I go. Um, so I was kind of like, I, I want to, I want to switch gears and, and work under someone who, who knows what they're doing. Um, so I, I really wanted to get into the entertainment space in Melbourne. So I kind of did like a bit of research and ended up getting a job, um, back in the marketing department at, um, one of like Australia's big, um, television networks, um, did that for a year or so switched to another 
like another network into the publicity department, which is probably more my speed and, and, you know, worked with some amazing people there. And then I, um, I'm like, how did I, and then I came to Toronto. I was for a boy, silly, but I like faced a boy to Toronto. Um, and, and yeah, I came here and I was just like, what, what the heck am I going to do? What I do with myself. Yeah. Like, what am I going to do here? Like no job, knew literally one person, like the guy that I moved for, that was it. Like, I was like, I got to figure out my, my life here. Like, what should I do? And I was like, well, maybe I'll be a wedding planner. That, that's what I always kind of wanted to do. Like maybe I'll go back to my like original plan. So I also like in between like figuring out that like maybe I wanted to be a wedding planner, I applied for like every PR job under the sun and uh-huh. no, like no one would talk to me, let alone hire me. Um, and I was like, I swear I'm good. Like, I know. So, <laughs> um, so, so yeah, but like no one, no one can. I think there's a lot to like, you know, I was like, I was from Melbourne. Like it's, it's, it's different hiring someone who's not from that city. And I think I realized very quickly, like not even just through working in PR, but like growing up and all of us are surrounded by the media, right? Like you get to like, I'm in Melbourne, like I knew not even from being in the industry, like the rough demographic of the people who read like this newspaper as, as opposed to that newspaper and who read these magazines and who listened to these radio stations. Like you just kind of know those like demographics. And when I came here, I was like, Oh gosh, I like, I don't know that at like at all. Like it's, and it's really hard to, to learn like later to like be like, I'm like, who reads Toronto life magazine? Who reads the Globe mail? Like who, you know, figuring out those kind of like audience profiles. So anyway, no one would hire me. It's probably rightly so because again, I knew nothing. Um, (laughs) And then then I was like, okay, maybe I'll be a wedding planner. So I researched every wedding planning company in Toronto, found two that I I really loved and just kind of like identified with like their style and aesthetic and things Mm -hmm. like that. And then reached out to both of them. One of them said, you know, I, I have all the consultants I need that I've, I've passed your details on to a friend of mine who works in PR. And I was like, but I'm done with PR. Like PR hates me here. Like I couldn't possibly work in PR. Um, and then her friend emailed me and her friend was Emily. So, uh, so yeah, we met. Yeah. <laughs> it's insane. So I, um, I'd worked at DDB as I had shared for a number of years. And then um, I had my children and uh, working at big PR agencies, big advertising agencies, as I'm sure like you've heard before, they're pretty wild in terms of hours. So I learned a ton. I learned so much in my four years there, but it certainly wasn't the kind of environment that I could picture like going back to after having like children. And um, so I didn't, I ended up starting to freelance at that point. So I had worked at a small agency, I'd worked at a big agency, and then I started to freelance. And when you freelance, um, it's scary to say no to jobs because you never know when the next one is going to come along. Um, so my little freelance business um, had built like along the years. And then I got pregnant with um, my daughter, my second. And uh, uh, soon after that, I, I hadn't stopped working, but I, has, I had just a little bit too much work to do on my own. Um, and my friend who was a wedding planner, she used to help me out like sometimes like on the side, but she had come across Jess and she's like, oh, I actually think that this would be a really great match for you. So Justin and I met um, that one day and we like started working together like that day and we just never stopped. Um, and because of 
because of that, I feel like lots of opportunities just kind of start to like flow our way, like too. We had like a really great like work chemistry together. I think that there is like um like just a lot of magic about Jess and I are able to do together. And we started to book like bigger and bigger meetings. And um, we both started contracting at an agency um named Tag that kind of gave us like a lift of some some other clients as well. Um, and when we were starting to book larger meetings, we were looking at it like, oh, does it look good position-wise to be going in as Jess and Emily to freelancers, or should we just start an agency and go in as looking like as an agency? So that, that's actually how um, Shine got started. Was more we had booked um, we had booked a big meeting and we wanted to go in looking like as strong and professional as we could. As we started Shine, like really really on a whim um from that point on <laughs> yeah no I feel like all of the like business adventures that like I have like heard of them they always like start like this they're like we had no idea if we were just like this might just fail like mm-hmm. like in a month like it will not work out but you know then it just really works out so uh but I do want to know the transition that you guys made from because it, it started as PR Right. Then yeah. it transitioned yeah. into uh, management, like the talent influencer management. Uh, how did you guys like decide on that? Like, was there a t- like, because did you guys think that like uh, there was more potential in influencer management or did you think that like, oh, this could also add to the potential? Because I feel like so many things with the influencer industry, like it cross passes with publicity, PR, like a lot or marketing. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's such yeah. a diverse field that like people don't realize. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why I love it so much because I feel like people sometimes think that like influencer management is just only marketing but it also taps into entertainment it taps into pr like it taps into so many parts uh, oh definitely yeah. so that's why the reason i feel like it kind of it's such a smart move that you guys made to, because to, to kind of put everything under one umbrella versus uh you know just doing multiple things and working with different companies uh yeah. because i know a lot of people i know f- for sure that like um, they they have management, but they also have a publicist who's doing something mm-hmm. else and someone else. I feel like it's just a bunch of people, but it would be nice to have like, I guess, one management who can do all. Who understands both sides. Yeah. So we started like Shine PR like first and it was a really, it was a rough first year. Like it was really hard to kind of carve out um, a name and a niche for ourselves. So we started um, Shine Influencers uh, like through trying to kind of define ourselves further, like within that market, like at mm-hmm. first. Um, so in that first year, what had happened is, is that Jess and I, we wanted to, um, we wanted to get known. So we started to host different um, events for for different media and bloggers just to let people know who like Shine PR was. Um, and in that, we started to learn a lot about like the issues that the category was having in itself. So um, in terms of PR agencies and publicists, there was a lot of companies who were trying to get like the same level of editorial that they had gotten from their clients in the past. But at that point in time, which is back in 2015, a lot of the media houses started to shut down. So there was a lot of like magazines, like lifestyle um, editorial publications that no longer existed anymore. Or there was um, broadcast opportunities that um, were now being sold as advertorial spots. So PR agencies were having a harder time getting a volume of coverage and they were starting to look to like bloggers as being like media sources but it was all kind of new and um and the bloggers didn't really know how to work with the agencies and the agencies didn't really know how to work with the bloggers and because uh Jess and I started hosting these like events these kind of networking events um to try and get shine PR's name out there we started to like learn that there was an opportunity in the middle of all that 
um, and just being from Australia, you had seen there was an agency out there who was doing something like somewhat similar um, that we yeah. hadn't seen in Canada at all. Yeah, there are a number of agencies in Australia at that time that were doing talent management um, for like the influencer space specifically. So talent management, of course, has like always existed for mm-hmm. actors and models and singers and sporting personalities. Um, but at that time, I mean, globally, like that's it was just kind of starting to creep in with some of those like OG like bloggers and, and influencers and, and things like that. So in Canada, like they're just like there really weren't any. And I think as as M touched on, like we we always just saw the value in in the social space and like in in the you know brand messaging and the reach that all of these people with these great like at the time just like Instagram handles had right so like we we could see that and we you know really like looked into the market here in Canada and we're like who like who's doing this and it turned out that like kind of no one mm-hmm. uh, so you know that kind of comes back to the beginning where we're like well it happened in a very similar way that we started shine as in that we were just like, should we just like give this a go? And if it's a huge flop, like we'll just kind of sweep it under the rug and pretend it didn't happen. Um, So that's kind of what, what we did. And, and we, you know, we'd gotten to know a lot of the like bloggers and influencers in, in Toronto and, and other parts of Canada, just through these events that we were doing. And, you know, we, we developed really great relationships with, with a lot of people. And, and we sat down and just had honestly, like a lot of good conversations with PR agencies, brands and influencers, and for all of them to kind of identify like what were their pain points? So for the for the talent, the influencers, they would say like, "I'm brands are starting to ask me to do things, but like, I should I be charging them? I don't know what to charge them. I don't know what my value is. They're saying that it's good exposure, so maybe I should be just doing it for the for the product exchange mm-hmm. or contra exchange." And then the brands was brands and PR agencies were saying, "We we our." our clients kind of want us to work with influencers and we need to, because like the media opportunities are really drying up, but it's really hard for us to convey like what our clients key messages are, how, you know, how it's all, you know, it, it, it's hard for us to work with these creatives. We're used to working with journalists who, you know, are very perfect, you know, going from like journalism to like the very like creator life like it, it's just different communication styles so we really could see that like there's like a nice sweet spot like right in the middle here where we can like solve both of these problems so like we know the value of of social talent and, and content creation and all of that and then we know how to we know PR talk and we know how to weave a story and we know how to integrate something really seamlessly and I think that's where you know both of our PR backgrounds has just served us and shine so well because we always knew how to weave a story. Mm-hmm. And then, and that's like that we, we come at shine and, and every collaboration that we do from that angle in terms of like, how does this integrate really seamlessly? So it's not just like a blatant ad in your face that kind of comes out of nowhere. It's like, Oh, this is a product or a service that's like solving a problem. And it's been talked about before. And it's, it's just integrated in a really like effortless way. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, it's been one of our, um, one of our biggest strengths really coming from that PR background and being able to like look at it with like that kind of creative and very strategic eye. Um, that, and then 
I also think in terms of like the personal branding, like as well as like you were saying beforehand, like there's a lot of um, talent now who have a, a, a manager who manages their collaborations that they also might have like a publicist to help them in terms of like awareness and crafting like their personal brands. And I think that's also like where we have um, a, a very strong skill set and how we've trained our team from that PRI that they're able to like understand the components of what makes a strong personal brand and help to um, help to to guide like the talent that we work on to make sure that they're really um, being clear and concise with what is what is that and what is true to them. Yeah, no, that's great. Uh, so that's why uh, I think my next question would make more sense to also most of the audience here because uh, uh, according to so much research, actually, like there are so many people who are so confused about like what actually influencer managers do uh i think there's a misconception that like people think that like you're just paying them a flat rate fee or like they are just like man like they are almost like your boss or something uh so i do want you guys to clarify on that a little bit how how it helps because I know you guys mentioned a little bit uh just mentioned a little bit about like how you know like most especially if you're a new influencer I know a lot of people like from TikTok that like because some of them like they didn't expect to be famous that fast and they got yeah. so confused mm-hmm. as like what do I do how much do I have to charge and like how does this contracts work and like sometimes I know for myself sometimes brand sends like a six page eight pages of contract and yeah. you mm. really have to like wait hold on am I like r- signing my life away <laughs> like no it's just sometimes like so like so serious that like we don't realize and that's why I feel like uh that's when the influencer manager comes in but you guys can you know chip in for more sure. and yeah. explain yeah I think, you know we we talk about that with talent who we sign all the time like you, you know, you typically content creators get into this space because, you know, they have a really specific skill set. Like maybe they're like an amazing, they like do amazing, like makeup hacks, for example, like let's, let's say, let's use that as, as the example here. Like they, but like, they're not a lawyer or an accountant or like a, a business major necessarily, but like they, you know, they're amazing at creating content that resonates with their audience. Um, so that's where that's where we come in and we really look at ourselves as like a true extension of of that talents team and and you know we're we're there to support on strategy and and growth and all of those things but also of course like you know read read the contracts and liaise with the clients and allow the talent to focus on like what they're best at and why they got into this which is in that case like creating amazing makeup tutorials um so I think that's you know it's you know, talent, talent come to us at all kind of like levels of their career, some much more established, some very much emerging um, and just starting out and they need different, um, different skill sets and different resources and tools at whatever stage that they're in. Um, but that's where, you know, we, we come in and we, we support them and, and the goal is to, you know, make sure that their finances are in order and they're like constantly receive, you know, getting new jobs and getting paid for the jobs, which is, you know, you, you know, there's like half the battle is just like chasing the money at the end of the day. Yeah. This is like great point. Like I want to talk about because I also uh, work with modeling agencies and uh, influencer like payments works just like modeling. Uh, some mm-hmm. payments takes like 45 net days or some takes 60 days, some takes yeah. 90 days. So it's like, insane and this thing is it really changes based on the agency company even the some the country because it's different country so it can take a while like I remember like when I did my collaboration like in January I think I got paid like 
<laughs> like this month and like end of March. So oh, it can yeah. take it can take forever. <laughs> I know. That's one reason I feel like uh like it's very important to have a manager who can like kind of keep track of things. Yeah. Even for myself, I know like I literally use an app uh to like kind of like put everything together to just yeah. make sure I'm like, what am I missing? Because sometimes I do collaborations through like just Instagram and sometimes I do something through uh, TikTok then I'm like I might forget like if I don't keep track of it and mm-hmm, then I'm just yeah. like am I gonna get paid because especially some brands if you do it outside of the platform because platforms are so uh, that's why I love them so much because like it's kind of automatic they just yeah. pay you when that time hits yeah. but when it's outside even if you sign a contract there's a chance that they might miss it or something. So you really always have to, you know, keep track. And that can take a lot of time. That's one of the reasons I feel like people think that like, why would I want to give some some of my money to an influencer manager? Because I always mm-hmm. ask, I get that question a lot that like, people like, I don't want to pay, like, I don't want to give like 10%, 20% to a person. But I'm like, it almost seems like a biz- very smart business decision. I know even from this myself, because people think that like just, making this like uh, negotiation or like collaborations, everything, it can take like so simple. Sometimes I literally spend, I don't know, like hundreds of like threads between the email, oh, yeah. like between the brand to just negotiate or like to just like change things up. I'm like, I kind of don't want to do that. Like, can we like switch it up? Or like, there's, it takes so much time and that people don't realize like I'm a, like I, like as an influencer, I need to be creating a content, not spending time, on yep. this part that like back that no one is gonna and, yeah. and I think also like it's hard for people to understand because like when everything goes really well and smoothly like the value of a, a manager like it doesn't seem as apparent but like when you need a manager is like for the times like when things like don't go smoothly right like when there's like conflict between what the brand wants or the brand doesn't really understand and like the, the you know the collaboration like platform and and and, and the uh, the tone the messaging that needs to be there um or you know if if, you know, talent are feeling undervalued and that the brand's asking for too much or the contract changes midway through or they're trying to push like, um, you know, additional deliverables. Like those are the times when management, um, the value of management is like really like strong. Um, and I think almost until uh, talent have had like some poor experiences of trying to manage collaborations on their own, they don't truly understand the value of, of talent managers. And honestly, like our team, they're so good. They're so strong. They make a lot of this seem easy. Like I think that talent don't even realize sometimes like everything that we do in the background to ensure that when um, programs come to talent, it is a really smooth process for them and that they are able just to focus on the things that they are like the most amazing at, like the, the creative side. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, I realize this even from like myself. Sorry, Jess, you can definitely continue on this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but like even for myself, that like because uh, when the pandemic hit, you know, in March, uh, because my calendar was kind of full and everything, then like it got you know so empty. I was even thinking for myself that I'm just like like if I had a manager that who can be like yeah, like, don't worry, you know, this is kind of the time that, you know, like, this is happening, like, um, we will let you know, like, what's going on. But I feel like I didn't have that. So I was just kind of like, nervous. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Like, uh, I don't know what to do with myself. Like, maybe I have to get a real job or whatever. So I feel like it's always good to have a no, it's always good to have like, (laughs) yeah, but you know what I mean? (laughs) So I was just like, always thinking that I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like, I was so scared. But I feel like it's always good to have a team or like, like someone behind you especially because like when there's like brands that they don't understand because especially if it's a new brand there's a chance that they're going to be like um what is that like I don't want to pay for that or that's kind of high that's when the manager comes in and kind of helps you guide through 
For sure. And that's what I was going to say. It's, you know, man, uh, negotiating for yourself is incredibly difficult, especially for women. Um, so that's something that like, you know, having a manager come in and be able to like really push for you um, and like fight for you and fight for your value. Like, it's just like, there's so much value attached to that. Right. Because it, it's hard to come in and like, you know, if a brand is saying to you, Oh, well, and we, we hear brands say this all the time. You know, I worked with someone who has more followers than you and they only charge $1,000 and you're charging $2,500, right? As mm-hmm. an example. Um, and it's, it's hard. Like that makes you, it doesn't make you feel good. You're like, oh, if, and, and this industry is still so, um, you know, unregulated, it's the wild west. So it's you, then it makes you feel like, oh, well, if someone else who has more followers than me is only charging a thousand, like maybe I should be charging a thousand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, but they kind of like, they, they can corner you a little bit like that, but we have the luxury of one seeing rates of a lot of talent because we represent, you know, 80 to hundred talent, give or take. Um, so, you know, we, we know what like a, a rough industry standard is, of course, but like we're able to go back and just be like, no, like this is the, this talent's value and, and we're, we're standing by it because we, we believe in them and, you know, we, we know that they're going to produce content that's going to convert or drive new followers or drive a new audience or whatever it is. Um, we're able to really like to stick, to stick to that. Yeah. I think that's like the power also of being like with like a larger agency, like shine is like a, a fairly large agency. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have like, we have those internal, um, proof points like we have a lot of those like statistics just by volume of the deals that we do and the talent that we work with that we can um educate brands like in the negotiation process and they trust us and they trust us because we have all of that proof we do hundreds of campaigns like in a month so if they're saying oh nobody's paying more than a thousand dollars for a similar program we're like that's just not true like we're seeing x um and it allows us to like advocate like really strongly for the talent who um are signed with us yeah, exactly. And I think there's a couple things as also that people don't understand is that like, I feel like there's so much things that's involved in the influencer industry. People think that like, there's always just like, oh, you just post for it. It's the reach, whatever, you know, like clicks and like everything, but there's like more to it, you know, like we create the content. So we also have to be charging for the content as well. Then there's a licensing fee because I recently had a uh, like the very big brand actually reached out to me for skincare brand. And they were asking me for exclusive licensing for one year. So obviously I have to also incorporate that in my fee because like Mm -hmm. I could be working with other brands, but because I'm giving you the chance. Mm -hmm. So I'm just saying there's so many things that like, I honestly didn't know about this until like, I don't know, I think a year ago or something, I had no idea. And I was charging way under. And Uh, it's, mm -hmm. how would you know, right? Like you. Yeah. I had no idea. Yes. And like, like people like often I feel like talent have like like little like groups of talent friends mm-hmm. and they'll share like bits and pieces, but no one's really sharing everything. No. So it's it, it's hard. And I think going back to your point before in terms of like work drying up through the pandemic, we heard that from a lot of people who were self-managed, like a lot of people, even mm-hmm. some people in other agencies, like I heard some talent saying that. But, you know, as we mentioned at the beginning, like, I think there, that's where, like, there's so much power in, in being with, with an agency. Like, you know, it was a time where we saw, you know, our, our talent, like, almost all of them, like, hit, hit the goals that we'd set mm-hmm. at the beginning of the year. And in a pandemic year, which was, there was a lot of change, for sure, and programs changed. But again, like, 
we were just able to like be so nimble through that, which is like, we, we love to see that. So like when we had collaborations locked in, instead of being like, oh, we have to cancel this because it was a live event or you had to be in store or you had to do something, you know, with people, we're able to be like, okay, like let's really, really quickly switch this strategy. And I think having, you know, having just that skill set, that like tool set in our back pocket, like allowed us to change, you know, the agency structures, not the agency structure, but like how we worked with brands and agencies so quickly that like it didn't impact our talent unless positively. When I look back at like last year and like, I I know Jess and I are like equally just so proud of like how the team like came together and like the success that we had, like with our growth. But like, we also um, like, we went after that, like when the pandemic hit, like we like immediately put together, you know, free education uh, sessions and webinars for both our talent and also the brands and agencies that we work with to let them know about strategies that they could be taking like to their clients or their internal teams. And we gave them those resources in the upfront. Like we helped talent in terms of different messaging that they could use to make sure that their programs like were successful during this changing time, how to address like massive current affairs issues that are going on, but still be authentic to their like promotions that they're, 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 campaigns that they are running um so I think like all of that like going back to the original part of our our discussion today about like our um career history like that's where I see things like that like really really coming through strongly like Jess and I have really um strong uh, PR and marketing background and we've been able to apply that to like the growth of shine and now I think that we're really seeing the results in our talent are benefiting from from that kind of experience yeah. One thing I want to add is also like, maybe you guys, like, uh, I don't know if you guys will agree, but this is something I have experienced myself that like, I realized like when I was like, uh, I guess starting, it was kind of easy for me because like, it was like influencer marketing was also like still new with Instagram and everything. Cause I started in 2000, like end of 2016, it was just popping up and like agencies were reaching out to me and everything. I was kind of just so excited because like, I was literally in college and I was like, okay, cool. You know, extra mon- money, like, you know, fun. Uh, but nowadays, because I have grown my audience, it's like now I get like so much deals that I don't even know. Like I have to do so much research myself. I'm just like, I don't know if I trust this company. I don't know if it is good for me. Like, I don't know. Like there's so many things that like that could actually affect me on behind that. Like I have no idea that like, because I feel like more you grow, more opportunities you are going to, going to get, but there's also a chance that like those might not be good for you or like Mm -hmm. you don't know anything about it. Uh, Because I know that like there are companies that could be paying really, really well, but that could not be, uh, I mean, good company, what I mean, because I feel like it can really affect your credibility in terms of how you're going to be working with. And the worst part is like, I feel like when you sign a contract, you kind of have to do it because you already signed a contract and there's a chance that, you know, like uh, it's, you know, your obligation to do it. And there's so many times that like, I feel like um, that's when the, like the, influencer management come in that like they know like what to look for and like just cutting so much time from you then like you can do more for yourself and for your content then like Mm -hmm. because I think people think that like once you're giving that 10 or whatever percentage you're giving to your manager you're like cutting on your um like you know income but I think it's exactly the opposite it's almost like a hiring uh someone else because more people you hire obviously more income you're going to get because like you have more time in your hands and you could be doing more versus like you know me just spending times and hours of like I don't know, reaching out to brands and everything because yeah, well, 
Yeah, it's just so time consuming that I feel like no one talks about because I realize this so much myself, especially this year that like, I'm like, okay, this brand and they send you like a deck and the brief and like sometimes it's so long and it's just like, uh, I appreciate that like they give so much detail, but like then I'm just like, I have to read it. Then like, then I'm like, oh, I read this. Oh, I missed the time that I need to post today. Yeah, there's there's a ton of work and and yeah, you're right. Like like we we take twenty we take a twenty percent commission or mm-hmm. I say we take like we we work for mm-hmm. that. Yeah, exactly. But it's you know it's looking at it like do you like like how serious are you about this? Do you want this to be a, a career? Like do you want to expand your team? And if you do, like you know either you're hiring someone who's probably going to be much more than twenty percent of your income. Um, you know, but hiring someone and that's just like, then it's just one person. Like, whereas if you're with an agency, you have the the knowledge and the skill set of an entire team and like the contacts of an entire team and, and things like that. And say resources like lawyers and like accountants. And you're yeah. saying with your contracts, like if you feel like once you sign a contract, like, like you're locked into it. And like one of the things that we look for in contracts, like that there, that there are kind of like those trial periods, especially for like new products and all that. So the talent isn't in agreement with that they're not locked into it or that we have outs that way. So those yeah. are all like the tricky conversations that management can help navigate and answer for you or like morality clauses and like dual Mm -hmm. morality clauses. Like that's such a big one that like for any talent listening, if you're not managed, like look for morality clauses or ask them to put a morality clause in the contract that goes both ways. So like, you know, even if a contract is signed, if you have a major F up and I don't know, if you do something publicly, that's like not like, let's say it's the middle of COVID and, and you go to like a, a big party when there's like a stay at home order or something like that. Like as, mm-hmm. a, as an example, you, like you better believe that brand is dropping you. Like even though the contract is signed, like they're not going to move forward if there's like really bad press about you because they don't want their brand to be tied to that, of course. So it goes both ways though. Like if that brand does something really in poor taste or, you know, I can't think of a good example right now, but if that brand does something that's like socially you know, frowned upon, like you don't want to connect your brand with them. That's, that's equally as important. So it's a really good one to look out for in contracts to make sure that like you're covered and and you can get out of a contract if a brand missteps and you don't feel comfortable um, working with them anymore and aligning, aligning your name and likeness to them. Yeah. Especially the ones that like, I know I didn't notice. I think I I tried to get out of it like early. Uh, It was a contract that I signed with a fragrance company for six months, Mm -hmm. but I didn't know that it was going to be renewed after the con. Like it will be automatically renewed. I had no idea. Then turns out that like the fragrances they were going to make for me, then I think there was something wrong with their factory or whatever they were doing. Uh, it got like shut down for a while. Then they pushed my fragrance for like yeah. way later day. Then I keep saying, I was like, because everyone was like, when is it coming? Because I, I did announce it on my stories and everything. I even posted on my feed Then I had to take it down. It was just kind of like, I'm like, I don't know. I really don't know what's going on. And like, yeah. and then it's all up to me. So that's one reason I feel like it's so, so important to read the contract and everything. Yeah. yeah. How do people get into like influencer management? How do they can get signed under the influencer management? Because I know in the past, you know, people were like, oh, it's about the number. You know, if you have like 100K or whatever, you know, people might start to reach out to you. But I know I think now that has completely changed. And I think also 
each agency is kind of looking for different things. It's not just about the number. There's more uh, things involved. So do you guys want to talk about that a little bit on what Shine is actually focusing on? Yeah, we we certainly saw a lot of that, like when we launched our office in LA. So when, when we started in Toronto, like the industry was like so emerging, like we were signing people who at that time, again, like this is six plus years ago, we were signing people who had like never done a collaboration, but we just saw a lot of potential in them. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we launched in LA and the industry at that point was so much more established, talent management was a very um, commonplace thing, but we found so many people we spoke to because again, we went out to some like really amazing micro talent who at that time maybe had, you know, 15 to 50,000 followers, give mm-hmm. or take. Yeah. And so many of them were like, like, could, could I have a manager? Like, I like, don't are you have serious? <laughs> yeah. And we're like, well, we think you're pretty cool. So like, we'd love mm-hmm. to sign you. Um, and, you know, a, a lot of those talent are, are still with us and have grown and, and do amazing things. But I, I agree with you. A lot of people think like, oh, I need to get to like X number. And they kind of have, it's not the same number across the category. Like everyone mm-hmm. has like their own number that they think once I hit this, I'll, I'll get a manager. Um, we, of course, don't look at it in, in that way specifically. Like, you know, we look at numbers in the sense that like we probably wouldn't sign someone who has under, say, 15,000 followers, um, but, you know, just as like a rough general rule. But I think in terms of like when is the right time to look for manage- management is, you know, when are you hitting a point where like you're getting a lot of those inquiries, like you're getting like regular, consistent, like every week, let's say you're getting, I don't know, at least like 10 or so um, inquiries from agencies or brands wanting to work with you. Um, if you've been able to like negotiate some budget for yourself, um, you know, and, and you're ready to kind of level up and you're ready to expand your team and you're ready to like take this on full time potentially. Um, I think that's, that's the point. And that's different for everyone. For one person, it might be when you have 12,000 followers and someone else, it might be when you have, a million followers like it yeah I was gonna say like we know some talent who have like smaller like followerships um who have a, a really high volume of collaborations and then we've seen some other talent who've come to shine you know who have like 150,000 followers and they don't have the same kind of demand for collaboration so yeah. I don't really think it is about like the number of followerships per se I mean you do have to get to like a certain level as Jess said so you have like um a mass that would be of interest to brands, um, but it's not like a magic number by any means. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it also depends more on the niche that you're in. I can tell this from myself that like when I first started, I was mostly in the fashion, not to like say that fashion is not great, but I think a lot of fashion brands, they're not paying you. They, it's just, oh, yeah. Mm, yeah, unless it's close. like Louis Vuitton <laughs> or like, it's very, yeah. you know, like luxurious brand, they are not paying you. But once I got into, I remember skincare, that's when the like tables really turned for me. And even nowadays, it's like every single day, at least there's one email that says, oh, we want to work with you on the skincare. I think it really depends on the niche that you're really focusing on. For sure. And like, that's certainly something like when we're looking at talent, we assess like three categories. Mm -hmm. Um, So of, of course we're looking at numbers, but like numbers are really more about like engagement, where are your followers, male, female split, top cities, top countries, age group, all of that um story views of course so like they're the numbers that we're looking at um where i mean it goes without saying that we're like looking at the content um like what what does it look like do we like this aesthetic is it something we think can like sell in with our our clients Mm -hmm. um and then the third one is the message like what like 
what do you have to say? You know, and I think that like that has become for us like the most important thing because I find that when we're struggling with talent and we're struggling to like book campaigns for them and and you know, we we're talking about someone yesterday and we're like, what do they care about? Like what it, what's important to them? Like what mm. what value are they bringing to their community aside from as you said, like with fashion, it's like you can like all day long, I like you can look at cute outfits, but like and and some people do exceptionally well in that space. But if you have like a niche and something that you, you know, you're really passionate about and your audience knows that you stand for A, B, and C, you know, that's that's what they're going to come back for. Like we we represent a lot of people in the body confidence and self-love space. And like we love that space because they're talent who like really, really stand for something and their audience knows when they come to their page, they know what they're gonna get, they know they're going to leave feeling like hopefully like better about their bodies and and inspired and happy and you know motivated to like to look at themselves beyond like a number they see on the scale and and things like that so I think that like you know talent like that we do really well with because they they have such a strong message so it's really become like as I said like one of the one of the biggest qualifiers for us like what what do you have to say yeah. And I, that's why I'm like, so agree with what you're saying is I think because before maybe when it first started Instagram and everything, it was kind of like, because it was just starting out, it was more about the visuals and everything. But I think now, because it's so competitive market and like everyone kind of wants to be an influencer, you kind of have to define yourself with your voice and like what you're focusing on. Like, I know for myself is that like, because I have been more and more focusing on like mental health uh, and yeah. how, because I think it's so important that not so many people are talking about especially I think people who are influencers that like we actually go through so much behind the scenes that like we don't even talk about that yeah yeah that's why I think it's so important and I think brands really like that because you can really incorporate that with the brand partnership and it can really really work well it's just it's about building building the trust and if your audience feels like they really know you they know that like when you're talking about a product or service like it is something that you believe in because they know you're honest with them you know, so it, it's a, uh, yeah, it, it serves you well from like the brand perspective as well, for sure. Yeah. Uh, any marketing, like influencer marketing trends that like you guys are kind of uh, seeing at the moment, or you guys think that like, it's going to be, uh, you know, popping or like becoming more popular, uh, you know, this time, like 2021, or because now the vaccination and everything is starting. What do you guys think? Yeah, well, I think that's just touched on beforehand, like we've seen like a massive rise within like the body confidence space, like over the past like couple of years. And that's been like a really amazing one to watch, like both on the talent side and seeing some of the talent, um, you know, smaller talent who, who have like this voice um, rise. And then also on the brand side, that's the brands who are coming to us to have taken that, um, that message alignment and wanting to work within the body confidence space as well. So definitely in terms of like um, body positive, body confidence, uh, we see that as a trend that's going to be here for a long time. And that's making like a really strong difference. Mm -hmm. And then I think in terms of um, like things that are happening, like in, like in apps and things like that, like I feel like there's been like a huge push for apps like Clubhouse. Um, and it, again, it just, it promotes like really good conversation and like digging a little deeper and, and things like that. So I think what that shows us in the social space is that audience just want like more and more and more and more, which is, you know, which is great 
for the content creators, it's great for the agencies, it's great for the brands, um, because we're able to just keep serving that up. So I think that's, uh, yeah, it's really cool. It's fun to see. Yeah, I think that's why like also podcast is so popular because people really, really want to learn more about it, not just the surface of what's going on. Exactly, exactly. As you, you touched on before, like it's like we've kind of moved away from just that like perfect aesthetic um, Instagram feed vibe whilst like I think they like kind of had their heyday you know five or so years ago now like people want real like they they want real content they want to know who you really are and as you said like podcasts like you can like dive deeper and have like a really good conversation and and that's what uh, that's what the audience is one now. Yeah. So where can everyone uh, learn more about uh, Shine Talent Management and everyone who wants to, who are interested in actually getting to management that they can, you know, find you guys? Best place would be either like on Instagram or on our website. So website is shinetalentgroup.com and Instagram, our handle is shine underscore influencers. Okay. Sounds good. I will definitely put them in the episode notes and thank you guys so much for this delightful conversation. I think this is going to really open so much eyes on the influencer management. Management. Yeah, thank you for having us. It was so fun. Thank you. That was fun. Great.